So, Johnny Owens. Johnny O is on the show today. Then start watching. I don't know what the hell you're Yeah, I know. <laughs> Fast forward. Already. There's nothing much else to say. Uh, we were. We had a blast talking to Johnny Owens. We talked to him at the Alamo Draft House here in Austin, Texas. He was in town doing a course uh, here. And and man, we learned so much about him, about blood flow restriction, about how to, how to go about treating people that actually make sense, that's actually based on physiology. You got mTOR? You got that mTOR though? You got that mTOR, man? No. <laughs> If you ain't got hit or <laughs> mTOR or bust, it's very simple. If you're a therapist and you're not blood flow restriction certified, you're behind. And if you're a patient that's not getting blood flow restriction post surgery, you're in the wrong spot. It's bold. It's bold. So, like, what's behind that though is you got protein synthesis or not? Right? True story. Is a straight leg raise is that active range of motion or is that anything? Is that not, to the, not to the physiologists at CFI. They would call bullshit on that. They would say, what, what you doing? You doing a range of motion that boy? So Dr. Owens, Johnny Owens is one of those names that go check him out on ESPN. You go check him out. He, he's, he's on Sports Illustrated. He's in Forbes magazine. And he got to talk to us about his journey of starting uh, Owens Recovery and what it's like to make that commitment to yourself. Yeah. Um, Morals. All, the, all the sacrifices he made to you know, kind of jump off from CFI uh, to start that endeavor with Owens Recovery. Some great lessons in there about what you need to have in your mind when you start your own business or anytime you go start on a new adventure, make a commitment to yourself and your family. And we were super impressed by how he was focused on doing the right thing and doing it the right way, not taking that early uh, venture capital money that he would have, you know, lost some of his business, lost the direction, doing go uh, take a route that he didn't want to take with uh, his company and his brand. Uh, and I thought that was really remarkable to hear him say, "No, we're gonna pass on that money. We're gonna we're gonna eat shit, some shit sandwiches for a little bit longer because I want to do this my way, the right way." Enjoy the show. Enjoy the show. Good. All right, you can come in a little bit. Okay. You did huddle up. Get cozy. Up. All right. We got coffee. So, room right here. Huh? There's a room right here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you got to sit on. So tell me about We're in Austin, right? We are. Shoddy. I don't know if your dad would be cool with that. But <laughs> yeah, I know he would. <laughs> That's how we opened the interview. Tyler's sitting on Dr. Owens' lap and uh, just chatting. Just chat. <laughs> no problem there. No problem. Right. So we, we got uh, Johnny Owens here, um, and he, he just came back from. He, he got a text message, one of the one of the better text messages I've got in my life. Tyler, Tyler, we were eating at Subway, and we were just eating. We we're planning out what we we're going to talk. What we we're going to talk to you about. And Tyler just is laughing, and he shows me this text, and I I almost throw up my, <laughs> my turkey. Says, Excuse me, going to be fifteen minutes late. J.J. Watt and the Washington Wizards hold me up. Uh, tell us a little bit about about that there, Johnny. Not sure if I can go too deep into detail on it, but gotcha. um, yeah, basically we just had some uh, shipping issues that we're trying to take care of a cool. little bit. Yeah, so uh, but uh, yeah, there's there are interesting problems. These are these are definitely first world problems that I'm dealing with. Yeah, I yeah. don't I don't think you've ever I've never received a text I think of that magnitude to be like ah it's not. 
that it's. I just want to make you guys feel important. That, right. You know, it wasn't, I mean, it wasn't, yeah. Part of it. Oh yeah. No problem. Super JJ important. again. Yeah. Right. Always. He's always doing that. You're about to text him something like, "Ah, oh, typical." Yeah. I, yeah. We get this all the time. Yeah. yeah. Very standard. We got to figure out. Are you a Spurs fan? I got to be real careful with <laughs> like, allegiances like, here. So I, I am. I love the Spurs, okay. and so a little bit of a background with the Spurs so I'm, I'm not from San Antonio right but I, I, I think everyone has to respect the Spurs in the Spurs way right um, and especially Duncan and, and the Avril and everything they've done it's San Antonio um, at the base where where I am um, where I was a lot more I still kind of have some some relationship there the center for the intrepid kind of the the shining star rehab facility um, the Spurs play a big role in that. So mm-hmm. we have a Spurs wheelchair basketball team. The Spurs donated and built a basketball court. It has their branding all over it. They, they come all the time, um, and they're great. So um, I, I am a big Spurs fan. I spent a lot of time. My parents were divorced. My mom was in Houston. I was in Houston a lot, especially during the dream years. And so um, I, I kind of am a closet uh, Rockets. Rockets fan as well, mm-hmm. just because uh, I loved Elijah Wan and uh that, that team during that time I yeah. thought was pretty amazing but but now I'm, I'm a fan of all teams now yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. but no I, I love the Spurs and I'm a big fan very cool yeah. very cool I remember listening on the podcast with uh, Therapy Insiders they opened up talking about how they just got done with the thing about business mm-hmm. and everything and, and you made a quick little comment it probably just was in the context of how yeah I'm not the guy who talked about business but I do see you have you know the Johnny Owens rehab going on um are you kind of doing your own thing these days? And if so, what kind of drove you to, to want to open your own clinic? And, and could you speak a little bit about that? Yeah, well, it's real multifactorial, I guess. And, and so I love being a clinician. I think there's a lot of burnout, but I, I, I still love being a clinician and, and um, love, love what I was doing. But I, I, I'm almost, I, I think I'm, you know, got some sort of Asperger's that isn't diagnosed because I get into things and I just cannot like let them go. And so um, every, every, you know, point, I guess, since I've been a therapist, there's been just something that I've really just latched onto and I just can't get enough of it. And so before this, it was this exoskeleton. Before the exoskeleton, it was this regenerative medicine stuff that we were doing. Um, before that, it was just anything and all thing, you know, sports medicine related. And, um, the wars were winding down where I was, and it, and it was becoming a different environment than what I was used to, and I never felt like I could leave um, while we were having the guys and girls come back, um, and I was very committed to them and always looking for the best solution. Thank God the wars ended, um, and I started seeing, well, you know, this is a different place. Is this still what I want to do? And at the same time, I was really starting to see the value of this blood flow restriction yeah. rehab, as we yeah. call it. Um, and what I wanted to do too is, you know, one of my, my good buddies, he's our past trauma surgeon, Joe Shu, he said, you know, there's so many things that have happened from wars and DOD in the medical side of the house that no one ever knew about. And, and he laid out all these different examples of these, these, these you know, antibiotic treatments that, that never went anywhere from Vietnam. And basically it's just because they, they weren't able to populate out. From, from that DOD and these kind of austere environments where just you can do whatever you have to do. Yeah. And so I thought, you know, this is one of those things I think really deserves getting out there because I, I really thought it was, was ready to, to start moving out into the clinical world because we were just seeing such success from it. Um, and so then I started branching out and, and consulting pr- primarily with the pro teams. 
the DOD doesn't really love for you on the side to just have this little side gig where you're going around working. Um, and the, and our, our head JAG attorney, who's a buddy of mine, he just said, you know, why don't you just start doing You look like you'd love this. Why don't you just start doing this as a full-time gig? And I was like, oh, well, I don't think I'm ready. I'm not a business guy. I need a paycheck, and I love being here, and I'm a GS employee. And, um, you know, then I started thinking a little bit more, and more and more consulting emails were coming in. Hey, would you please come here? Would you please come here? And so then I basically just took the leap. And then I, I didn't just say, I'm done. I quit, and I'm just going to do this. <laughs> um, prepared a lot met with a lot of, of business savvy folks in the medical industry and outside the medical industry and, and learned um, learned that I have a lot more leverage and I think a lot of us have a lot more leverage especially when you've been doing something for a long time more than you think you do where you can get more from people than you think you would as far mm -hmm. as even billing fees or or you know medical consulting fees whatever um, so then I, I broke off and started doing consulting, and then we rolled it into a full-on corporation with founders um, along with me. Um, I'm the primary on it, and, and it's been in a year. It's it's been extremely extremely successful. Very cool. When have you when did you start that endeavor? So last last year in May was when I officially cut ties. Wow. And um, no, no, my bad. Was it last year. 20, 2015 gotcha. is when I broke off. Yeah, yeah. So that's when I when I left. Um, and so it's been over about a year and a half now awesome. that we've been doing it. Yeah, yeah. great. Yeah. And and I do want to kind of get to BFR in just a second. Um, and for those of the people who might not know all about it, but staying on the course of business, what are if any of some points that were just big eye-openers when you started doing your own thing by yourself that you said I never knew I had to pay so much in you know lawyer fees, accounting <laughs> fees and you know we want I, I, I'm very much into doing things right and, and my bigger vision for this isn't I'm not a big money guy I'm really not I still drive my old you know 2004 Nissan out there and we you know my we're very comfortable and so I my goal is to 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 do this right and it and if it's done right, you know, you have to make a lot of sacrifices. And so, you know, we wanted a medical device and we wanted to work with the FDA and we wanted to try and get a code for this. We want to work with the APTA. We want to work with these orthopedic, um, you know, large groups and hospitals. And, and by doing that, you have to really establish yourself in, in that world. And it costs a lot and it takes a lot to, to be able to do that. It's just not like, hey, I'm a blogger and here's this thing. I mean, we're a medical device corporation, a medical device that's listed with the FDA. Um, and, and so that took a lot and cost a whole lot. And what I learned quickly too is you think you're, there's like a bat signal. You're going to start a business and you're going to put it out and like, oh my God, the phone's going to be ringing yeah. off the hook and you're getting all these emails. And I had drivers, you know, I had ESPN and Forbes yeah. magazine and I had, yeah. I had media. Um, and, and my Rolodex is huge of people that I could contact, but still, you know, uh, I, I think this one saying was from the Phil Knight Nike book. You know, he said well, one thing is this Japanese mentor told him is, you know, the bamboo you see it this year, you're going to come back a year later and it's about a foot taller. And that's kind of a way I think I had to step back and look at this as like, this is going to be a slow moving machine and I want to just take it slow and do it right along mm -hmm. the way. And I don't care if it just blows up or not, um, but, but take your time yeah. um, to do it right. And that was easy for you to do because you were so passionate about 100%. And it, you have to. They're not going to understand it, but you have to make them kind of understand the sacrifices with your family. 
and and that was a big big part is because i you know i told my wife you know hey i'm giving up this, this nice gig at you know the department of defense where you, you can't lose your job you know, no matter what pretty much and you know she always heard me talking about how much i love my job and i was like hey i'm gonna do this <laughs> and by the way you know i think last year for a point you know i was traveling almost every week yeah you know, I, I probably traveled you know, like 40 something weeks last year and so you know you have to just lay that all out with your family and, and they're oftentimes not going to understand exactly the motivations behind it but they have to understand and be on board or it's going to fall apart if, if you have a family or, or anyone yeah. you're discussing it with that seems like a huge a huge part of success mm -hmm. just because like you said i can't imagine you know you have which you have a, a dream job mm -hmm. and then like from the outsider it's like okay you want to leave your dream job yeah to do to do what exactly yeah yeah and, and how am i going to get paid yeah and yeah i mean it's, it's all crazy she, she's awesome my wife i mean we we sold our house um because i didn't one thing i didn't want anything over my head you know like if this falls apart the house is going to foreclose oh, yeah. and all this sort of stuff and so um she asked me how serious i was i said i'm very serious i don't want anything holding me back i'm very passionate about this we sold our house we moved our our four-person family into a little two-bedroom apartment so that I would have enough cash to hold on to and um, we wouldn't have any worries it was it was awesome uh, it's one of the best years of our life we were just you know it was a little tight yeah. but um, we were all close together and, and they knew I'd be traveling a lot so you know can't be out there watering it's, the plants and you, stuff like that you did it mainly to bring the family closer that's yeah that's that right. was yeah the, yeah well reason. yeah my after a year my wife's like are we ready to move out of this house <laughs> so but I, I I think you have to be willing to sacrifice and rice and beans it, even if you don't have to. But if, if you're that committed, you better be willing to sacrifice. If you want to do something that means something, I think. Mm -hmm. yeah. mm -hmm. Seems like you can't you can't avoid the sacrifice. No. Seems like a common theme. No. That anybody who's successful is like, yeah, we had to eat rice and beans. You do. We had to go through this this it's tough spot for a little bit yeah but. yeah, and I, I didn't want people to direct me of how this is going to be done or you need to. You know be making this much or whatever so there was no going after venture capital funding rounds or anything like that it's just bootstrap and i want to make my own decisions and if, if if i only get this much happens over this month that that's what it is but i'm not going to change my values of this and and so that was another big part because once it starts you know you get a, these names and some media and all of a sudden you got these vc people coming at you and people wanting yeah. to give you money but then you see what what they would expect and it, it, i'm never going to to give up my morals or what what i wanted to envision it to be so wow that's another huge part yeah yeah like the morals and holding true to who you are and not succumbing to when people are dangling money in front of you and you're also like i want this this is my baby i want it to happen yeah right and they're talking scale and this is the only way and you can't do it yourself and then you're just like you know well give me a year and i'm gonna i'm gonna do this myself and just i think it's that important and it doesn't really matter and they're saying well, you're missing this opportunity and all these other yeah. you know and it's and that's happening but again i can always you know lay in bed every night and be like you know i, I didn't compromise and try and do anything different than what I said initially. You know, I kind of wrote down this mission statement for myself of, of exactly what I envisioned this to be. Now, a business plan, or my wife's like, well, where do you want this to go, or how much is another, or what? I don't have any idea. But I knew these like bullet points of like, I like to follow this this set of rules, and mm -hmm. you have to remind yourself of that every now and then when you get wrapped up in it. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. So you want to go into uh, talking a little bit about B, uh, BFR. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I'd like to kind of 
go through a story. So I tore my ACL last year. I can't remember too much, but I'm, I'm going to have ACL surgery this year. Yeah. And um, just kind of talking about it, what would it look like if I were to do BFR coming out of surgery? Um, how long would I be on it? You mm-hmm. know, and and when do you start it mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Could you just kind of maybe talk about like the story of someone was going through ACL? Yeah, so in an ideal world, so say you're coming to the DOD or one of our clinics or healthcare centers who, who do it a whole lot and, mm-hmm. and they're very comfortable with it, everyone's on board, ortho's on board, management's on board, blah, blah, blah. Ideally, we would like to get you in preoperatively um, when, you know, because once you tear it, and, and there might be issues that could hold you back. You know, you have a bone bruise or, or cartilage lesion or whatever, where pushing a heavy load might not be the best thing in the world. Um, get you in preoperatively, if if you have some signs of weakness, and do it. You know, maybe f- two to four weeks before, just to kind of get the quad going. We know it increases muscle activation. Um, we know we get strength and hypertrophy from it. Um, postoperatively, here's kind of where things start to start to change and where we think BFR really has a big play if we're just talking for this conversation strength and hypertrophy postoperatively you're down and out right mm-hmm. so you can't use that limb the problem when you can't use the limb is that the muscle starts to basically atrophy away we've all seen that and so one thing that was beautiful that I was taught from you know these, these great folks I was with and in, in our research groups at the DOD was to always work backwards this is kind of after action reports they do so they go out on a mission they come back and then they kind of work backwards like what went wrong with this mission let's figure it out there's no poo-poo lips or, or you know butt hurt it's just like you messed up here you just say what's the problem so they would always we come to these meetings they're like well what's the problem why do you think people are losing muscle mass and they're like I don't know it must just be a non-use thing well that doesn't explain how you're gonna figure out a solution so you have to know where the problem really stems from and these were great minds that I was working with and, and some of the protein synthesis folks there were showing us research that was saying look people atrophy because protein synthesis goes down okay and so if you stop using a limb on healthies when they look at this in in, in these studies and in, in academic centers if they put them in a in a mobilization for a few weeks protein synthesis drops in that limb close to almost 30 percent in some studies only in that limb though the rest of the body it doesn't change and so that's where atrophy starts to happen and that's where muscle mass starts to go away and you see it someone gets an Achilles repair they take their boot off and you're like holy crap you got a tibia for a calf yeah right same thing happens we see the quad just waste away and so we're saying okay there's a protein synthesis issue how do you turn protein synthesis on well if you take a protein and get your bolus of leucine protein synthesis will go up but it only is going to go up to a net amount to deal with the breakdown that happens on an everyday basis if you go lift heavy or go exercise with resistance, then you get this little spike in protein synthesis. And that's why lifting heavy over time, you have breakdown when you lift heavy, but you get more synthesis so it goes up. So you can lift heavy. Well, you're not gonna do that after your ACL. And we brought our physiology guys and they said, well, let's kind of look at your problem. And they're watching what we're doing in rehab and they're like, you guys are kidding us, right? Why is that guy doing that with his leg, lifting it up and down after the surgery? And we're saying, well, you know, we're trying to do his exercises, turn his quad on, and they're like, we told you it's a protein synthesis issue. There's no ACSM guideline that says, Go lift heavy and turn this on, or go do these little straight leg raises in the mat. You turn it on. So he's like, "You guys are just doing like range of motion. It looks like, right?" Mm. We're like, "Well, yeah. no, we're trying." To, yeah, yeah, you know, right. Yeah, and I hate wasting time. I, I, I'm a real black and white, and I, and I don't like wasting anyone's time. You know, and the patient comes in like, "What do I do today?" You're like, "Oh, the same thing. Here's your protocol." And they're yeah. just like, "Seriously, like, yeah. that same stuff?" And we are. You know, if they're rolling your eyes, we're rolling our eyes. There's a problem with it. Yeah. So then we started going deep into the literature and seeing. Is there anything else out there that looks like it's turning on MPS? And BFR was one of those. And so it, it looks very p- 
positive from, from multiple studies that if you do BFR, protein synthesis gets elevated rather rapidly and, and, and pretty quickly, um, close to lifting heavy without the breakdown of muscles. So you get kind of an extra boost of it. So we would want to get you in as quick as possible because you're losing muscle mass. It's called anabolic resistance to get BFR on you to turn protein synthesis on. And so we, we, when you go to my courses and we talk about it, we're trying to teach you as a therapist to not think about these as exercise anymore. We're trying to get you down to this physiological cellular level where you're like, look, patient, I'm trying to get your muscle protein synthesis turned on because you're losing almost 30% while you're not using this limb. You're coming to see me because I've got this little magic switch and I'm gonna turn MPS on. And so you do this to try and mitigate atrophy and start to, to get through the mostly quad for your ACL yeah. back to where it needs to be. Then you kind of transition into lifting some loads with it with yeah. BFR. And when your strength is close to the other limb, then we transition and we go to lifting heavy because lifting heavy is great. And I think it wins if you can lift heavy, but you can't in your early phases. The surgeon will come and, and kill me if I start you on early yeah. loads, right? Yeah. The big problem with ACLs, and we see George Davies spoke with me at a conference, um, American Symposium conference for this year, laying out all these studies showing that ACL patients are weak in the quad on down the line. You know, weak, weak, weak. You're still weak. Our problem is we kind of do this glorified Jane Fonda's in the clinic yeah. thinking we do something, then we kind of do a little bit extra lifting, maybe some load, yeah, yeah. and then it's like, now go, now now yeah. be yeah. functional, man, why aren't you doing your functional stuff? And Damn. you know, we become these functional freaks, and, and, and it's like, I bet that guy's squat would look beautiful if his quad wasn't 30% weaker, yeah. right? And mm. so people poo-poo things like, well, why are you doing that long arc quad or something like that? It's because I, I need to get his quad back and when that's symmetrical, then everything else is gonna clean up. And so I think that's where we missed a lot of the boat. And, and I challenge people too, explain to your patient that anabolic resistance thing. Preoperatively tell them, look, you're gonna have the surgery, doc's not gonna let you use your limb, you're gonna lose 25, 30% protein synthesis, which means you're gonna lose about 10% of the size of your quad over about a two week period, you're gonna lose potentially close to 30% strength. And when they come in, do your exercises with them. And then they can say, did you, fix that problem you told me about the muscle protein system mm. no no sorry i just had you do some leg raises <laughs> yeah you tightened that thigh muscle up yeah. but uh, my bad no but pay your copay and i'm gonna bill you <laughs> right and so that's a real problem that i have with with what we do and that's yeah. insurance companies are smart they're looking at it now and being like so spinning on that bike for 15 minutes we're seeing that doesn't do a dang wow. thing right yeah. wow and so we have to come up with solutions now if we could say well look i got a protein synthesis switch i can turn on yeah or i can push this person's endogenous growth hormone release and maybe that helps with collagen synthesis or I can increase stem cell load by doing something like this which you know guys are getting 2,000 bucks a pop to do these stem cell injections out there yeah um, we need to become much more savvy at, at that kind of science if we're gonna if we're gonna be able to keep it reimbursed like the gauntlet's been valid down, right? <laughs> well thanks thanks for having thanks yeah. for having us yeah. um, yeah. <laughs> on that note uh, I'm gonna go home and do some reading. Um, <laughs> that was that got me really excited. Yeah, yeah. And he said it. He said it in another podcast. Like people get jazzed up when they start hearing about this because <laughs> yeah. there's no way there's no way to deny it, mm -hmm. right? You start. And for those who <laughs> just Google it real quick, um, but um, this is a little bit of a follow up. And then then I'm sorry, Jared, cutting you off a little bit, but uh, I'm just there's so many thoughts going through my head. Like ever since I was a technician. Uh, through college years, mm -hmm. undergrad years, mm -hmm. and and your technician, and you're telling people to do those long arc quads and quad sets, 
and you know you, you got your checklist and just watching them do it and you're like I don't think it's really doing anything. Yeah, though. I know. You don't even have to be a specialist to really. Yeah. You kind of look and something about you, like. And like I'm the person, sure. we've got an elderly person or whoever just you know watching Judge Judy, yeah, doing this. Yeah, it's my like, mother-in-law went through rehab and she came back and she told me, "That's what you do." All she was, you know, explaining. It was almost embarrassing for me, you know, to try and explain to her. Well, no, no, you know. And she's like, <laughs> and she just quit going. You know, she's like, "I'm going there and I'm just counting." You know, they got a technician yeah. following me around, yes. and, and it's just. That is embarrassing to me, and 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 now we have all these gurus who are like the, you know, and I'm, I'm a functional guy too. But I mean, we're getting so wrapped up in, well, are they able to do their get ups, and then can they do this and do that, and how about their squat? And it's like, if we need to worry about this early stuff and, mm -hmm. and really get to the root of what the real problem is, you yeah. know, and and so, you know, I'm going to use these magical hands and magical tools and try and deal with scar, and then it's not. You know, well then we figure out the scar pathway, and then we're looking at well, there's a pathway we need to figure out how to block. Can we do that with what we do? Is there pharmacology that can be combined oh, wow. with what we do? And so, you know, we just have to. Our, our, I think our profession's in dire straits, and we need to take a step back because we have some powerful thing. We have some powerful allies that want to help us, but we have to just get past this. I, I, yeah. I don't. I don't know what phase we're in now, but just we're gonna just jump on and do whatever. You yeah. Know, viral treatments. Viral treatments. That's your your term. It's perfect. Yeah. Like, yeah. it seems like you like to do a lot of like reverse engineering. Mm -hmm. like, yeah. Mm -hmm. I like I like that. Yes. It, it's and it seems like that might be what the profession needs to focus more and more. It's hard to it's hard to deny that. Yeah. Um. When you first started doing the blood flow restriction. Were you kind of the only one doing it, and and in, in your clinic, or were they all doing? It? Were people looking at you like you were crazy? Because <laughs> from outside of looking in, you're thinking, what what the hell is he doing? Yeah, yeah. Um, so my title, my last title that I had, um, was Chief of Human Performance Optimization, and it was a basically it was if there was a problem, then I could kind of use all of our DOD solutions not only there at, at Brook Army, but also throughout the, the country to kind of come up with a solution. And so I'd been doing regenerative medicine work across the street at what's called the Institute of Surgical Research, which is some of our great science minds. And it's also luckily where they do tourniquet research for the military. Mm -hmm. um, and so we were working on this problem because we were having a, a problem getting our, our limb salvage, our blast guy strong enough mm -hmm. to avoid delayed amputations. And that's with those guys and the tourniquet guys, we started looking and, and, and I kind of first stumbled on some of these older blood flow restriction papers mm -hmm. and bringing it in with there. And then they, then in their lab, we were goofing off with stuff. So yeah. they have animal labs, they have little penis tourniquets they use on the animals <laughs> and stuff. Yeah. Uh, um, Is that and, in the course? Can we? Yeah, you don't want that one. Want that. Even seeing that, I still squirm when I see that thing. Um, and so we were doing it, mostly me, and then I would, take it over the center for the intrepid and we were doing it on some of our technicians and, okay. and assistants and other therapists and uh, we got our first research um, tourniquets from the tourniquet guys over there and we we chose um, 10 special forces guys because okay. um, they're willing to do whatever and, yeah. and, and people are like man you chose a really tough group to do it on we chose on limb salvage um, which is bad trauma but but those guys were kind of a, you know, our, our bad joke was um, you know, they were going to cut their leg off anyway. So if it falls off, yeah. you know, whatever. And Not so they're like, fine, put it on, I'll do yeah. it. And, yeah. you know, um, I'm, I'm so messed up, I'm willing to do anything. And, and, and it took off like a rocket with them. And we retrospectively put a paper out in Journal of Special Forces, and that kind of got the whole ball rolling. And, 
and started moving into the general population. And what year was that? Oh uh, man, so that was probably uh, 13. 13. Yeah. So was that four? About took about four years. I feel like right now blood flow restriction is one of those things that when someone mentions it, they they kind of got an idea about it. So it took about four years for it to be from the ground level. Yeah. I mean, people would look at you cross-eyed. <laughs> I bet. Talk about it. I, I mean, bet. We used I to see my surgeons when I went and talked to them. And they're like, "You're on crack, Johnny. Really?" And so they're like, "Did you vet this with the command?" And, and so is that, uh, is that the same room with the people with the penis tourniquets on? Yeah, the right. <laughs> yeah, you've been hanging on the ISR game with the penis tourniquet guys. Uh, it's a weird room. Yeah, Jack. Yeah. I don't know about that room. Yeah, and it, it, it was. I mean, you would you would tell people, and they just look at you. And now, I mean, people are like. Now everyone's like, oh, I've been knowing about this forever, yeah, you know, this yeah, sort of thing. But yeah. it's, I mean, it's good. It's, it's, it's definitely becoming more mainstream.